Isn't it great when you find or discover an unexpected blessing? You know, for instance, seeing a piece of cheesecake in the refrigerator. <laughs> and, you know, and, uh, you know, my wife's saying, you know, that's been there a couple of days, but you just didn't see it. See, the thing about uh, men and teenagers is we can't, we, we can't see things in the refrigerator if they're behind something. There's just something about we can't move things, uh, but they're there. They're there. You know, I also think about, uh, anyone been to Howell Caverns in New York State? Yeah, it's a, it's a great place to go. Um, it's not that far, just a couple of uh, hours away. And Howe Caverns was discovered by this guy named Lester, uh, Lester Howe. And uh, he was, yeah, there's a picture there. Um, he was a farmer, and he didn't know that under the farmland that his cows were grazing upon, there was this massive network of amazing caverns. And so one day he saw his cows gathering around sort of these bushes, and he went and felt that during the summertime, it's because there was this, this cool breeze coming out from underneath. And that's where the caverns were. And so he discovered that. And then um, his eyes were open to this new reality that he hadn't, I mean, those caverns, they'd been there for thousands of years, right, underneath. He just didn't realize that they were there. That they, were, they had been there the whole time. And so, of course, um, being a, you know, a, a good American, he says, all right, well, how can I make money off this? <laughs> and so he started giving tours. Uh, a hotel was built upon, uh, you, you know, nearby. And it changed his life, right? It, it changed his life. He, the thing is, is he discovered this, this truth, this reality. It had been there all along. He just didn't realize it. And then once he discovered it, then he had the freedom to go into those caverns to, to develop them and, and all of that kind of thing and share them with people. And that's a lot like our Christian walk, uh, that when we want, we want to walk the walk, that's our sermon series, that we want to uh, be consistent, we want to reflect Jesus and all that we do. Um, and in order to do that, we need to walk in truth. And in order to walk in the truth, first of all, we have to discover the truth, we have to know the truth, accept the truth, and then once we know it, then we can step into it and walk in that, just as, again, Lester Howe did, as he discovered that the truth of those caverns, and then he started walking around and exploring and sharing them. So too, our Christian life, we need to, to walk the walk, we need to first discover the truth, accept the truth, and walk in that truth. And we're gonna look today at a scripture to that they'll help guide us. Uh, we're actually going to go through a whole book of the Bible today. Now, I know you're thinking, Pastor Joe, you're out of control, right? This, this need to always look at the context, and now you're going through a whole book. Well, well calm down. It's 3 John, all right? We're going through 3 John today. And if you're not familiar with um, 3 John, it's, it's not, it is a book in the New Testament, but it's not really a book. It's not even really, it's more like a postcard, <laughs> and if you turn to 3 John, you'll notice that it's, um, it's very short. It just covers one page. And this short letter was written by John the Apostle uh, in the 80s or 90s to an individual named Gaius. And Gaius, that was a common name in the Roman Empire. And by the way, when I say 80s and 90s, I mean, don't mean like 1980s and 90s. So Gaius doesn't have, doesn't have a, a mullet and wearing MC Hammer pants. We're, we're talking about like 2,000 years ago, 80s and 90s. 
And 3 John is similar in length to 2 John in the same style. And they both also include John expressing his joy when his people walk in the truth. And and in particular here in 3 John, uh, John is, is telling Gaius, he's commending him for walking in the truth because his deeds match his doctrines. All right, so let's read. Let's read this whole book of the Bible, 3 John. All right, verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And that's really our focus for us today, that verse 4. I have no greater joy than my children walking in the truth. Verse 5. Beloved, it's a faithful thing you do in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, for they have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I've written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I'll bring up what he's doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I'd rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we'll talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends, each by name. We just covered a whole book of the Bible. Now notice John mentions three people. He first of all mentions Gaius, who he's writing to, and uh, he commends Gaius for walking in the truth. I heard, Gaius, that you have been uh, walking in the truth. I hear that you're hospitable to the people I send. Good job, Gaius. Then he talks about this guy named Diotrephes, who is kind of the opposite of Gaius. He's um, not walking in the truth, he's, he's not loving, and he's messing things up. And then the final person he talks about is Demetrius. And Demetrius was probably the person who carried 3 John. He's probably the person who John said, all right, Demetrius, can you bring this to Gaius? And he transports that letter. And Demetrius is also a good person who walks in the truth. But I hope you notice one of the amazing things, very short book, but notice how many times the truth was mentioned it was all over the place, right? If you, know, if you, if you took a ratio or something of words to how many times truth uh, appeared, this is probably one of the uh, books of the Bible where truth is highlighted the most. Um, and our focus verse, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Right, that's verse 4. I don't even have to say a chapter number because there's no chapters. It's just one chapter, just the verse. Verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. This suggests that John believes that walking in the truth, it's crucial to walking the walk. Right? He commends Gaius. Gaius is walking the walk, and one of the reasons is because he's walking in the truth. 
And you notice also here John's love for Gaius. He, he calls him beloved four times. And that first time he says, you know, to my beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. So that, that love is connected with truth. Gaius is a person whose doctrine and his deeds match up. He has integrity. Right? That's one way that we walk in the truth. What's also interesting, you know, integrity, that means you have an integrity of being that, that you're truthful and consistent in your deeds and your doctrine, but also your public, private life, what you say, what you do. But what's interesting, if you look in verse 2, is that John prays that Gaius's physical health would match up with his spiritual health. Did you notice that in verse 2? He's like, I pray that it goes well with your health as it is with your soul. Now, right then and there, what, let's apply that. Would you want someone to pray that for you? That your physical health would match your spiritual health? That, that you have such an integrity of spiritual health that you'd want someone to say, God, please, may their physical health match their spiritual health. I mean, that's getting real. I mean, some of us may be like, I'm not sure if you want to pray that because I don't want to get a rash, you know, or, or I don't want to get sick to my stomach. So, you know, pray for me, but not, not like that. But integrity, right? I integrity of doctrine, of deed, private, public life are consistent. And John here, he rejoices that he heard that, that Gaius walked the walk. Look, um, verse 3. I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you're walking in the truth. Now, when here when he says um, they testified to your truth, I want to unpack that a bit because sometimes um, we, in our culture, we say that, and I don't think John means what we mean because oftentimes we mean like, you know, you just, everyone has their own truth. You walk in your truth. You live your truth. That's not what he means here. I think John uh, is saying that he's rejoicing that, that Gaius's lived out truth, his subjective truth was in line with the truth, with a capital T. And that's why he's rejoicing because he says, I, they testified to your truth as indeed you're walking in the truth. And then verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Not each of my children are walking in their own truth, but rather that he's rejoicing that all of his children are walking in the truth with a capital T. And truth is an important concept in all of John's writings, in these three letters, but also the Gospel of John. Uh, that tr the truth, it, it refers to um, God's realm and his revelation. Okay, that's why the, the Holy Spirit in 1 John and the Gospel of John is called the Spirit of Truth. Why? Well, because he's the spirit from God. He's the spirit of, of God's realm. He's the spirit of God's person. And that, that truth is transcendent. It's, it's bigger. It includes the world, but it's even bigger. It includes the heavens. And when John uses that term truth, it's again connected to God's realm and his revelation. It transcends both the heavens and the earth, and it's timeless. So this truth is not just for today. It's a timeless, eternal truth. And that's what John is referring to. And he's rejoicing 
because Gaius lived out day-to-day -day reality. His walk was in line with God's transcendent truth. So he's not just saying, hey, you know, John, you do you. You live your truth. No, he's saying, I'm rejoicing that your lived out truth, your day-to-day -day walk is matching the truth with a capital T. And in John's writing, again, not only does truth refer to God's realm and his revelation, truth with a big T, but also Jesus himself is referred to as the truth. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, Jesus is God's ultimate self-revelation. Jesus is the truth. And so when we walk in, in, with Jesus, when we encounter the truth, when we encounter Jesus, we have a relationship with him, and then we begin to walk in relationship to Jesus. That means we walk in relationship to the truth with a capital T. And it changes our life because it's bigger than just us. Right? So it's not just little truth, my truth. It is the truth, the truth that breathed the world into being. That's what John's talking about. And he's rejoicing because Gaius is his, um, he's walking in the truth, not just in his uh, mind, but in his works as well. Because the truth of Christ, who he is, what he's done, what he said, it changes our truth because it's bigger than us. It changes also how we relate to others. God, you know, when someone asked Jesus, Jesus, you know, what's, can you, he didn't, I'm paraphrasing, but basically when Jesus wanted to um, uh, put the Bible in, the, in a nutshell, he says, love God and love people, right? You should love the first commandment. Love your Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. That's what the whole Bible can be summed up as. And here is that when we encounter the truth, it's bigger than us. It changes us. And so that when we want to love God and love people, it changes how we walk. Walking in the truth changes our actions because that truth is bigger than any one person. And again, in John, in John's writings, walking in the truth um, of God's love, it has an effect on our actions. So, for instance, in 1 John, so we read 3 John. 1 John's another letter that John wrote. It's a lot longer. Um, 1 John 3.18, John says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Right? So truth is not just a concept. It's not just an idea, but a quality of God that affects how we relate to God and how we relate to people. So Gaius, he's walking in the truth because his belief in that truth caused him to welcome and to be loving to people that, that John the Apostle had sent. Uh, these were people who were spreading the, the truth of Christ. As verse 7 and 8 says, it says, they have gone out for the sake of the name. Right? So these people had gone out for the sake of Jesus, accepting nothing from the Gentiles, Therefore, we ought to support people like this because they're fellow workers for the truth. So John is happy with how Gaius is not only, um, he's not only walking in the truth by showing love and hospitality to these strangers that John sends, but that he became a fellow worker of the truth in helping God's true message go and be shared throughout the world. 
So Gaius knows the truth. He walks in it. He walks the walk. He's a person of integrity. His doctrine and his deeds match up. Now, in contrast to Gaius, we also read about this fellow Diotrephes. All right, so if anyone's looking for a child's name, you know, Diotrephes probably, you know, sounds cool, but you might not want to choose that one. Um, Diotrephes, he's not been walking in the truth in his actions. He was not recognizing John's authority. He wasn't receiving any of the people that John was sending because, as, as John said, he wanted to be first. All right, so he, his desire was that, all right, John, he's an apostle, yes, but I want to be top dog. I want to be number one. But here's the thing, that no matter what we feel, no matter what we think should happen, right, the truth, we, we don't, the truth, we're subject to the truth. The truth's not subject to us. And the truth is that John is an apostle, right? And that, and that we devote ourselves to the apostles' teachings. And therefore, what happens is, first of all, Diotrephes, he doesn't accept the truth. John's an apostle in his mind. And then he doesn't walk that truth in his actions. He's not hospitable. He's not loving to those who come. And remember, in John's writings, walking in the truth includes not only receiving the truth of Christ, but walking the truth in how we live. Right? That's integrity, meaning our lives are consistent and our lives are in agreement with ourselves because the truth is bigger than ourselves. All right, but not to, be out, to, not to end in a downer, right? John introduces another person at the close of his letter, Demetrius, verse 12. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. Well, what does that mean? Probably from Jesus, right? From Jesus himself. He's the truth, and he's testified that Demetrius is faithful. He walks in the truth. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. So everyone attests that Demetrius, he walks the walk. So Gaius should continue to show Demetrius the love and hospitality that he's done with everyone that's come from John the Apostle. Basically, keep walking in the truth, Gaius, and, and, and keep doing that and treat Demetrius well. And, and then he closes, and I'll see you soon. Like, love to write more, but I'm going to see you face to face. And then he closes that short letter. All right, so how do we apply this short letter to our walk? I've made a couple of suggestions already, but I think basically we first need to know the truth, and then we walk in the truth. I think that's what this letter tells us, to know the truth and then walk in the truth. We need to know the truth. So our society has lost touch with this idea of truth with a capital T of objective truth. As I said before, people often say, you know, you live your truth out. Go on and live your truth. Because the idea is that there really is no overarching truth. It's just what people see or perceive. And this shrinking, this domestication of the truth, if you will, has led to an increased sense of meaninglessness, uh, de depression, anxiety, because we're trapped in ourselves. If there's nothing bigger than ourselves, if the only truth is what I perceive, I mean, that is so small. That's like a cage. And our society is reaping the, the, I don't want the, the, the catastrophe of that. We see it everywhere. Now, certainly, our perspective affects how we, how we interact with truth. Okay? So it's not that our perception has no bearing, but when it comes down to it, we need to understand that there's something bigger than each one of us. 
that there's a reality beyond ourselves because this rejection of a, a truth with a big T, an overarching truth, it's killing us. It's killing us. Society is scrambling to fill the void in meaning and morality because true meaning, true morality, it's got to be connected to something bigger than just myself or the small group I'm in. And so we're scrambling to try to figure out, well, what's, what's moral, what's, what has meaning? Because if it's really just about ourselves, then truly it is meaninglessness. It's just, all right, a, a bunch of us get together, and this is the best we can do. But it's, it's fleeting, and it's small. No meaning, no morality when there's no truth. But John, in his postcard here, he has a truth, and Gaius has a message of truth. And the reality is, the truth that they are wanting to spread is that there is more that there's more than, so Diotrephes, it's just about him. He's, he's focused on self. But Gaius and, and John, no, no, there's more. There's more than just myself. There's, there's, there's more truth. There's the presence of God. There's the purposes of God. There's the power of God available. And that even if you've never seen it before, it's, it's like those caverns that are just underneath the surface. It's a whole amazing world. And a part of the good news of Jesus is that he is that truth, that he opens up the truth to us so that we can see that there's something bigger than ourselves. That this, this Jesus, he, he becomes in real flesh and blood as a person. He comes into our world 2,000 years ago, and he announces that there is a truth beyond any one person in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 32, Jesus says, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus sets us free to know that bigger truth, but then to live in it. Again, just like Lester Howe, right? He, he discovers those amazing caverns, and then he's free to walk around in them, to see all those stalactites and stalagmites and all the ites that are out under there in that cave, the rivers, he has the freedom now because there's something there he didn't realize before, but now he can walk in that. So too, when, when we meet Christ, he sets us free. He sets us free from self, that, that bondage that, of, of radical autonomy that our culture so puts up like, oh, this is what life's about, that you can do ex whatever you want, that this is that, that this radical idea of, you know, we're totally autonomous, I'm my own God, and that, that people think that's freeing, but it's not, it's a cage. Because that means there's nothing bigger than myself, nothing bigger than my ideas of morality, nothing bigger than, you know, my small, if the Lord blesses, 80 years of existence. That's a cage. That's not freedom. And, but Jesus says, no, I want to open to you the freedom of truth that transcends. It's a, it's a truth that's connected to God. He frees us. He frees us from all the partial, the false realities that we live in, the false realities that are placed upon us by ourselves or people around us. And that's so freeing because you may feel worthless and alone because the people are telling you that, that or a failure. But in Christ, God reveals that you're not alone, that you're loved. 
And if, if you're loved by the most important being in the entire universe, not just in the world, but the entire universe, then that truth trumps any truth that the world is telling you, that you're telling yourself. And that's freeing. Accept that truth, and you'll be eternally free. And so we need to, once we know the truth, once we know Christ, we, inter- we, we meet Christ, then we walk in that freedom. We live out that freedom. Again, we discover those caverns, and then we can walk in them. So first know the truth, but then walk the, in the truth. What does that look like? Well, walking in the truth means you apply the truth to your actions. So if Jesus, if his work, if his words is the truth with a capital T, then we ask ourselves, how do I adjust my daily reality to match that truth? How do I match my day-to-day reality with the reality of God? That's what Gaius did. That's why Paul, um, uh, John said, you know, Gaius, I see you're walking in the truth, and I'm happy for you. Well, that's what we need to do. Will, will I line up my lived-out life to the truth of God's will and word. So for example, let's say someone's disagreeable to you, all right? And let's face it, we meet a lot of disagreeable people. Sometimes we're the disagreeable person. The truth is that that person is made in God's image. They are an image bearer of God. The truth is Jesus says, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. And so although everything in us, everything in society says you should give that person a smackdown, truth says, no, I am going to actually, I'm going to pray for that person. I'm going to try to love them. I'm not going to give them the smackdown. I'm going to, I'm going to give the pray down. I'm going to pray for them. That's what it means. Like we apply the truth to our actions. We, or we just talked about there's more to this world than the material world, Right? that there is a spiritual realm. It's the realm of God. It's the heavenly realm. That's a truth that that we believe. And so if that's the truth, then how do I adjust my life to match that reality? Well, am I only investing my time, my, my talents, my treasures into the physical world to get more from the physical world, or am I investing my time, talents, and treasures in the spiritual realm? Because I know that's just as real and that it is eternal. And in fact, that because it's eternal, it has, it has more importance than the physical realm. Do we adjust our truth to that reality? So we walk by, in the truth by applying the truth to our actions. The second thing is we walk in integrity. We walk in integrity. Uh, Psalm 101.2 says, I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. So walking in truth means, means having integrity. It, it's not just, integrity is not just matching ourselves to God's truth, but matching all that we do, all that we think, in all things, so that our public and private life, they match, um, they're consistent, our thoughts, our words, our deeds are, are consistent, that we don't have a double life, that we don't have a certain way we behave on Sundays, and then a certain way we behave the rest of the week. No, because this truth is bigger than us. It's bigger than a one day a week. It transcends. And so there's many people who've been searching for the truth, but they've tur- turned, been, been turned off from Christ by people who claim Jesus on Sunday, but then don't live it out the rest of the week. Both Christians and leaders who, who have a double life, 
And we see how that can ruin people. Because folks think, wait a minute, how can this truth be bigger than you if you don't even live it out consistently? So how do we walk in the truth? We apply the truth to our actions. We walk in integrity. And so maybe, like me, you feel conviction. Right? Whenever I write a sermon, I, I, I feel that the Spirit has to convict me first, right? Is that you might see, well, no, there, I, I see there's inconsistencies in my life. I see that this is God's truth. I understand it. But this area of my life, is, it's not matching up. Well, the good news is that a part of the truth, the truth of the gospel, is that Jesus, while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. So that if, if you feel conviction, like, yeah, I'm not really walking in the truth, I'm not, I'm not like Gaius, maybe I'm more like Diotrephes, the good news is that Jesus died for you. He died for you to set you free. Because so many times, you know why we don't live consistently, we don't live in the truth? is because we believe a lie. And that lie is that things that other people say about us or our feelings are more important than God's truth. But when Jesus came, he gave his life for you and me so that we would be free and have a relationship with the most important being in the whole universe. And if you're right with God, then that just, that's the most important thing. Anyone, what anyone else says, what you feel, it's not as important as that amazing truth. So we don't have to fear. We need to step into that truth, receive it, and then live in it. So that's the good news. If you feel conviction today that Jesus is, is wanting for you to step into the truth of who he is. So no matter what we or others think, no matter our past, my friends, there's a whole treasure trove of discovery just under the surface. There's more to this world than what we can see, what we can touch, what we can perceive. There's a truth with a capital T, and you know that. When you go and, and see the starry night sky and there's something deep within you that just there's that deep sense that's that transcendent truth that all people perceive. But yet, Christ has stepped into time. He's stepped into space so that we would know that that truth has a name. And that truth can be walked in and known and lived. Walk in that truth today. Because that's how we walk the walk, right? We know the truth, and then we walk in the truth. Amen? Let's do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the God of all truth. Thank you that you've put in our hearts that desire for eternity. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here or watching online who, have, who earnestly desire, Lord, to know the truth with a capital T, to know you, I pray, God, that your spirit would be working in their hearts. You'd be opening their hearts and their minds to step into all that you have for them. And, Lord, they would make that decision. They would say yes to you. They would say yes to, to going deep into the ocean of your truth. Thank you, God. Thank you for revealing yourself through Christ. 
Thank you. And, and Lord, give us, fill us with your spirit so that we would walk in integrity, we would walk in the truth, we'd be consistent in our, our lives and everything we do. And Lord, if th- for those who felt conviction about that, Lord, I pray you'd fill them with your spirit, with your hope, with your resolve, with your forgiveness. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.